This episode of Bright Hearth is brought to you by the Kingsridge Elderberries Backwards Planning Financial, Private Family Banking, and by our supporters at patreon.com. So my responsibility is, so to speak, whatever is in front of me, there on my workbench or desk or counter. I should do a first-rate job with that, and other things will fall into place. And as they fall into place, it will not be the impersonal doing of Adam Smith's invisible hand. Every blessing a Christian ever receives is from a pierced hand. Work is not a curse. The curse affects work, but work remains a gift from a gracious God. We were created for work, and we were created for work in an astoundingly fruitful world. In short, the grace of God leads to salvation, and salvation leads to good works. As we consider this, we ought not limit the phrase good works to helping little old ladies across the street or volunteering at soup kitchens. Those are included, certainly, but good works also include good work. Good works include turning a table leg on a lathe, or solving a mathematical problem, or shoveling out the barn. In sum, good works include, necessarily, the blessing of good work. Excerpts from Productivity by Pastor Douglas Wilson. Well, welcome back, everybody, to a late-night episode of Bright Hearth. It is Sove Midnight, is it not? I was thinking maybe we'll finally flip the time clock because you and I haven't been sleeping this week. Yeah. Maybe we'll be tired enough that we'll sleep. We'll sleep. <laughs> Daylight savings, guys. First of all, whoever's responsible for it, Ben Franklin. What? Whatever it is, Thomas Jefferson, one of those guys. I mean, National Treasure is my source for this, the the Nicolas Cage movie. <laughs> so this could be wrong and public schooling those are my two sources for this (laughs) guys what are we thinking anyway i'm brian sove by the way a bunch of you don't know how to pronounce her name that's fine whose name uh our name sove sove yes (laughs) every once in a while someone will say so that's how you do it and uh lexi my beautiful wife is sitting under the red light and well the warming chicken light what is it called why do you what do you sit under it for Is it the same light chicken warming. sit under? It is. Warming. Really? Yeah. I figured Alfie would maybe go to sleep if he laid under it. And guess what he did? He did. <laughs> does it make chickens lay eggs to sit under the light? I think, I, yeah, I think it actually does have to do with, yeah. Well, no. Is it a fertility trick for, for wives too? I'm trying to remember because we haven't used one because I don't like to artificially stimulate egg production in chickens. Dang. Dangerously so, based. I can't remember actually if you use a white one or a red one. I know you do use a red one with chicks, but I can't remember what you do with the. Anyways. Anyways, none of you, you need to know none of this, guys. <laughs> Today we've got another. We've got a question that we've. This is another one that we've gotten probably six uh, and half a dozen to a dozen times uh, since opening up questions for this season. And I was like, we're, we don't need to do this one. We don't need to do this one. It just kept coming in. And then the last straw was when we initially went to record this episode last week, there was a dark week because things, life happened for the Sobeys. But that day I had released the uh, Christmas EP that I just released. Is it that long ago already? Yeah, it was. Oh, my land. And uh, people, <sighs> someone again asked this question. So, babe, what's our question for this week? Let's, let's okay. give it to them. How do you and Brian have time to do everything you guys do? You guys are so productive. We, I did not feel productive the last hour. <laughs> <laughs> well. Uh, no, but actually we should feel productive because we were unproductive because of one of our children and they are our greatest and productivity. We were also 
you know, dealing with extended grandma. Yeah. Grandma thing. In my so. side of the family. So yes. Yeah. Yes. So those are productive things. Yeah. Why don't we start by actually just listing the things we do? Okay. What are the things we do? Let's starting in the home. What are the things we do? Everything. You I make three everything meals a day. in the home. You do laundry constantly. Uh-huh. I, <laughs> I ideally think I clean. I do almost no internal organization physically in the place <laughs> anymore. I've given up. We just we just live our lives, guys. It, I, I, I reread uh, one of Rachel Jankovic's books recently, and she talked about her style of housekeeping is like when the fire alarm goes off, and that's when she handles it. And I'm like, yeah, that's kind of the season of life I'm yeah, in right yeah, now. Yeah, I, 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 I feel that. <laughs> I, I think that the reason we get this question a lot is because visibly, at least from the outside, it, it does look like there's just this whole lot of stuff that, that we're involved in. We do this podcast, Bright Hearth. I am on another podcast called The King's Hall. Uh, I do... What's the other Cosmos. Po- Haunted Cosmos. So I was like, no, there's another podcast. Haunted Cosmos is a podcast I'm involved in. I do Psalms, music, and original music as well. Pastor, a church. Is that it? Is that all the things we do? Yeah. A lot of new Christmas. I lead press women's. Stuff. I'm not really lead. I'm leading um, a book group, a monthly book group right now for our church in person that is going through Renaissance literature this year. Yeah. I'm not leading anything else women's ministry wise. I have, I, I have kind of directed some of the book groups for the church to um, like Voxer and online and stuff like that, but I'm not leading anything else in person right now because I just don't have time. I do a lot of counseling still though. Quite Uh a bit of counseling, hospitality, regular hospitality. We kind of aim for two days a week. It doesn't feel like we always get two days a week. Something usually always falls through. I feel like in addition to that, I feel like it's just like music, homework on repeat, meals on repeat, laundry on repeat, bathrooms on repeat, bath time on repeat. <laughs> yes. And yes. Catechism. Yes. So it is, it is quite a bit. I will say that we, yeah. we have a very full life and we do quite a bit. And um, I, I have some reasons here or some, some what I, what I think are kind of the central f- features of what allows us to be productive in the way that we are, or at least that we try to be. I think one of the reasons I didn't want to answer this question until we got it so many times was that it feels kind of like I don't want it to be braggy. I don't think that we're like doing all of these great things. I think, but I think it's a good question. Just generally, like, okay, seems like there's a lot of balls in the air. Brian, do you actually pass to your church? Do you do these yeah. other like like that yeah. kind of thing? So I do, I do want to address it because I think it well, it will help people. Understand I will say how too, we've had we've had people come move from out of state to the church, and they're like, "How do you ladies, not Lexi, but like, how do you ladies all keep up with this? I don't understand." And then with a little bit of coaching and discipleship, I feel like they are they get it, and I see and I see them thriving in their roles. Does that yeah. make sense? So yeah. I do think we've approached this in a good way in the church that really does lead towards like joyful families and not just people being run ragged. Yeah. And that's really one of the biggest overarching themes that you'll find at everything we do at Refuge Church, New Christian Press, me with my music, is that generally we're leaning into the central roles and creational features of God's design for men and women. Yeah. So the men are going hard at being godly men. The women are going hard at being godly women. And we're not at all scared of cultural and theological maximalism on those fronts in attempting to recover lost skills, uh, reclaim things that have been cast along the wayside. 
and generally kind of put our backs into it. We're very skeptical of the whole like girl, just put on sweatpants and, you know, tell yourself that you're enough for a couple days a week. Yeah. Feel bad for yourself for how hard your job is. Um, or like, yeah, guys, don't, you know, just get yourself a corporate job. Don't worry about being productive. Don't, don't side hustle. Don't do any of that. Like it's dangerous. It's yeah, risky. It's dangerous. It's, it's risky. No, where's your insurance going to come from? Yeah. So we, we do a lot of that, but let, let me work through some of the things that are think I think at the center of our productivity and how it all works together. One of the first things that you have to understand is that we don't believe that we can do everything best ourselves and neither should you because God has given yeah. diverse gifts and he has not given all of them to you individually. So you need to actually involve other people in your work who are better than you at necessary parts of your work, pay them or, you know, that, that kind of, in, basically what I'm saying is when you see me do a bunch of different things, Haunted Cosmos, Kings Hall, Bright Hearth, my music, pastoring the church on every single one of those things, I'm one person on a team carrying a lot of weight on those things. Mm-hmm. A lot of weight. Like there's no way that I could do all these things on my own. If it was really me doing all these things, like beginning no. to end. So let me let me break some of these down so you understand what I'm what I'm talking about. Kings Hall, Eric uh, Khan, Dan Burkholder, and I. I'm helping outline an episode, but a lot of the the actual writing of an episode, cold opens, all of the sound editing all of the organization for ads and things like that. Those are all other people. That's Eric. That's Dan. We have uh, help on the the administration front at new Chris and impressed to keep all of these kind of things together, which is growing more and more towards a full-time kind of job. It's it's, there's a lot of things going on. Haunted Cosmos, Ben Garrett, my co-host, he works full-time for Haunted Cosmos. So that is literally his full-time job as of a few months ago helping us get our research rallied, write episodes, um, outlining for the future, doing our Patreon shows that we do for that, which is, they're so good. I mean, he kills it on those. He does a very good job. Lexi and the kids are always dusty toming it. Mm -hmm. That's great. Ben does all the sound design right now, and we're working on bringing in a full-time, or at at least growing hopefully into a full-time sound designer for that show and other ones. In my music, I have a really high-capacity producer, named Brandon B, who I've started working with since my last Psalms album, even Dragon Shell and Praise. And he carries a ton of weight in producing and making those happen. Uh, At the church, I'm one pastor among five. So I am the preaching pastor. I preach between 40 and kind of like 40 to 44 times a year. I used to preach like 50. (laughs) and but, But the goal was always... We need to raise up other people yeah. to be doing it these things. It wasn't ideal when you were the only one preaching that yeah. way for years. I'm not the only one uh, counseling. I'm not the only one doing member interviews. Um, I'm one pastor among five. Each of us have a parish of families in our church that we're primarily responsible for. That is my main full-time thing that I'm mainly focused on through the week. And then these other things are kind of peripheral, and we try to point them so that everything we do at New Christian Impress would first be helpful for our church and then helpful, hopefully, for other people outside of the church as well. Which is why I do think it is important because really the new Christian press is not first for other people. Right. So because of that, that changes the way I view it. If this was first for other people, I would probably have zero to do with this mm-hmm. in some ways. 
but yeah, I'm already last... thinking through resources to create for our women. Therefore, Bright Hearth is a natural overflow of that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Podcasting so, is just a really convenient way to explain something to everybody in your church, important concepts, cultural transmission, doctrinal things. Yeah. To have a conversation once and then be able to have hundreds of people, even in your church, yeah. at their leisure, listen to it. Yeah. It's kind of like sitting down with several hundred people at mm-hmm. once. So we do. We point everything. Let's make it helpful for our church. And then uh, if if it's helpful for other people as well, then glory to God. But that's the first goal. Yeah. So they're definitely overlapped and aligned when it comes to that. So that's really the first thing is that, and this is more with my work than it is for Lexi's, obviously. Lexi doesn't have, I'm, <laughs> what I am not saying is Lexi is doing Bright Hearth because we have a three nannies and an au pair. No, we, we do Bright Hearth when we can figure it out once kids are asleep. So that mainly, that's mainly with my duties, really, that part of it is that there are a lot of people, just like any, um, you know, your husbands, ladies who are listening, in their jobs and careers likely have teams of people that they're working with. Yep. My role, my pastoral and new Christendom duties are really no different from that. Did you know that fresh American black elderberries are naturally high in phosphorus, vitamin A, vitamin B6, and vitamin C, as well as many anthocyanins that serve as antioxidants? Regular supplementation with elderberry extracts has been shown to decrease chance of influenza and lessen cold duration in symptoms. The Kings Ridge fresh frozen elderberries are hand-picked, de-stemmed, washed, and quickly frozen at their family farm in East Central Indiana. Their whole operation is designed around maximizing freshness and antioxidant content of their berries. Trevor and Autumn truly hope that their elderberry syrup and fresh frozen elderberries bless your family this cold and flu season. Don't buy dried European elderberries and support the global economic agenda. Visit tkrfarm.com and purchase your elderberry needs from the Kings Ridge elderberries. And that link is in the description for you. Do you desire to be shrewd financially for your family? It takes wisdom and dedication to build and pass on personal wealth as mature, responsible leaders must. Joe Garrisey with Backwards Planning Financial is at your side to integrate investments, debt, insurance, tax strategies, and legacy planning in a holistic approach. He coaches his clients to act wisely with the resources God expects us to turn a profit on, to love our children and grandchildren well. Tap on the link to his website in the description and contact him to get started. Or visit him directly at backwardsplanningfinancial.com. The second thing that I, and this is, this is terminology that you'll recognize from Pastor Doug Wilson, but we plod. We do a lot of things, but most of them, if you really look at any individual thing we're doing, takes a long time to accomplish. We're, we're, we're just almost always doing many of those kinds of things, and so it seems like all of a sudden we finished something fairly big once a month. But that's not really how it is. Like I, mm-hmm. I didn't release a single piece of music between November of 2021 until April of 2023. That's how long it took me to to finish even Dragons, Shall Him Praise. I've been working on Hearth songs since late last summer, which is over a year. The Catechism songs, Ray Buckner, who also edits for Bright Hearth, and will listen to this. Hi, Ray. How are you doing? Um, he produces the Westminster Shorter Catechism songs for me, and so those are. Also, we're always doing those, like two a month. <laughs> we're kind of knocking those out. So a lot of times people see like one finished thing kind of come out. Like, oh, hey, we finished this album. 
And then, oh, here's a podcast and here's some other stuff. Here's a season of Haunted Cosmos. And it's like, really, all of that stuff was years of reading. Yeah. Years of formation and thinking and conversations. And then months and months of work that resulted in this one moment of like, okay, here's this. Can I comment on something since I know you personally? Yeah. I think you and I both cast very wide nets, though, that a lot of people don't do. And I've heard you say this to young men. I've said it to young women in the home, like cast a wide domestic net of skill sets. Yeah. Cause you don't know what your daughter's going to want to do. So you need to know. Yeah. I've heard you say the same to young men of like, you need to cast a wide net. Don't put your eggs in one basket, cast a wide net. Mm-hmm. So one of them will succeed Why you can be working on two or three other ones that may also succeed down Absolutely. the road. And I don't think a lot of people do that necessarily. Yeah, so I, think I do right. think that is unique to why it looks like, we're doing more because mm-hmm. it's like a cumulative effect in some ways. Does yeah, that make sense? It all builds. It's yeah. years of things and they all stack up. Correct. Until you're like, oh, we're doing catechism songs and psalms and original music and podcasts about femininity and homemaking yeah. and podcasts about masculinity and podcasts about the supernatural and yeah. pastoring and preaching and all these things. <clears throat> and they do stack up. Um, but in, in, you know, now next season of King's Hall, we've been reading for months about Christendom 1.0 and looking back in time. And so there's been tons of reading and like thinking and uh, trying to go deep on a topic for a long time before then we talk about that topic. And I do think that one of the ways that that can apply to everybody, like you said, is to say, I'm going to continually be, be expanding my set of skills, be interested in the world, identify something you'd like to learn that's associated maybe with, maybe it's connected to the main thing you do. Mm -hmm. Like, let's say you do HVAC and you're an HVAC installer and you're good at that and you're getting good at, you're getting better at it every year at bidding projects and installing and doing that really hard work that, and when you do it, it's like, looks easy because you, you know, but you've put all this work in so you can make it look easy. Well, then you might say, well, this is a sales job too. Let me start reading on my own some books about sales because Really, I mean, you're selling yeah. a service and a product. Why, why should you use my service over Bubba down the street? That's a sales skill. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to add scale. I'm going to start learning sales or maybe whatever it is. Yeah. If you're continually adding a skill, you might really only add one competency every couple of years yeah. in terms of a real competency, but they add up in ways that they it really has a do. multiplying factor. They really do. That's Especially when they too. all become interconnected. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about, I think what most influenced me in this way was actually when I read um, Charlotte Mason's biography and I saw her reading schedules uh-huh. and I realized she was reading. I mean, I don't remember exactly. I would probably say around 15, 15 to 20, to 20 subjects. books a day. Yeah. About five minutes in each. And that's when it dawned on me, like the plotting that you can do over a long period of time, becoming a well-read person. Yeah. And that really just shaped making sure I was reading in a lot of different categories instead of just what I naturally would read. Yeah. At that time, you know, so. Yeah. And, th- and a lot of the things And it has you're... built my skill set in the home. I, that's how I do accomplish larger projects is, mm-hmm. okay, I need to learn about how to raise rabbits. That's going to go in this slot. Yeah. Or I need to learn, I want to, I want to learn pastry better. So I'm going to put that in this slot and stuff like that. So yeah. And and these all stack up and they start to pollinate one another Yes, in ways you didn't expect them to ahead of time. As you do that as well, it will then appear like you just kind of 
are able to do something to the lazy onlooker who don't realize yeah. that I use, I'm going to, I use music examples cause it's what I do all the, I think about music constantly. It's like, it is a thing I am passionate about doing. So I do think like Lexi knows, I think about music all the time. I'm just like always instruments and writing. And it's always kind of like I'm humming tunes to my voice memo constantly, but people don't see that I, I had to suck for 10 years mm -hmm. at every, no, on you all didn't of it. suck though. I think I thought I sucked at least <laughs> and put in hundreds and hundreds of hours in worship leading and yeah, like learning instruments and all of these things so that the foundation now I can write a song in an hour mm -hmm. and generally most of it will be like the core of it can be done an hour or the last catechism album that was, we're still working on this. Ray and I are still working on this album right now, but it's like questions 33 to 43. And I legitimately wrote or did the musical settings for that, for all 11 songs on that next one in about a two hour nap period where on a Saturday, the kids went down for nap and I was like, I, I have no other time. I got to get this catechism next thing done. And it was like two hours. I sat down, I wrote like all of them. Yeah, that was the other thing I was going to say that I remember taking away from my college writing classes was like, you can't wait for the inspiration to happen. If you want to be mm -hmm. a writer, you have to do it. Like, you just have to show up and do it. And I mean, I guess when you punch in the, the time card, you realize that's what you're doing. You're just showing up and you're getting yeah. the job done. But when it's more creative ventures like this... Mm -hmm it's not just happening naturally just because we felt super no. creative on a Thursday evening. Like that's no, 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 not no. what's happening. You, it, you can all of a sudden make it seem like it just came out of nowhere. Yeah, no, but really it's years and years of work. And anybody who's skilled in anything knows what we're talking about. If you're everything from blue collar trades yes. to homemaking to, you know, analytical, I saw this little spreadsheet quote. analyzing. It's all the same thing recently that it was helpful. It was talking about working out again. I find a lot of helpful things from working out that I uh -huh. apply to other things. Um, and it was just like the magic you're looking for is in the workout you're avoiding. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, yeah, that's what it is. Like I really would like a clean home, but I don't want to deal with getting all those clothes from the summer out into yeah. the shed. So instead, yes, I'm just going to look at them for the next week. Yep. <laughs> I'm going to avoid them. <laughs> oh, so true. This is really related to another thing I jotted down about thinking about this question is that's that we don't overthink everything we do. So when we're the philosophy that we live by in all these things is learn a lot, live a full life, and then don't overthink it. So when we sit down yeah. and do one of these episodes, we haven't manuscripted everything all the way out. We haven't done all the it's like, in fact, Lexi would die if we tried to do that because it just doesn't. Fit, but we don't overthink everything we do. Again, like when we're a lot of times people let the perfect, they let perfectionism become the enemy of doing anything at all. Yeah. You cannot do that. No, you can't do that. As I'm again going to talk to it from a homemaking perspective, like nothing will ever get done because you can't do something no. perfectly with kids around. You just can't. So give up early. <laughs> don't ever sweep your floors. Yeah. You know, don't, don't, don't mop them because someone's going to spill maple syrup the next day. But yeah. I, I've had to learn this even with, um, was it two years ago now? I was like staunchly against audiobooks. I was uh, embarrassed yeah. that Brian would even count audiobooks as part of his year. Yeah, list. I was like, yeah, I read that book. She's like, you did not read that book. You listened to it. And I was like, yeah, I listened to it. It was great. I Here, let me narrate it to you. Okay, but 
I realized there was a whole bunch of classics I was just not getting to because I was getting busier and busier with the kids and more kids and garden. And I just didn't have time to sit and read as much anymore. And I was letting perfection. What is, what is that quote? Misty always says perfection, the enemy of the good. Yeah. Maybe it's not Misty. Actually. Uh I think it might be someone else. Perfection is the enemy of the good. Okay. So anyways, I got it from Misty. I realized like Lexi, you need to suck it up and start listening to some of these classics. It's better to listen to them half heartedly and have listened than to not ever listen to them because you want to do it perfectly with a notebook in hand, a pen in hand. Yes. Yes. It was a, you know, what's funny about that, babe, is that this, this brings me back to our debates about this long ago, but a classical rhetor would often read aloud. I understand. Okay. So here's the thing is since then I have come around to that because, because of that exact reason. Yes. Not everybody in a classical uh, schoolroom in the first century reading Cicero had Cicero in front of them. I just still love to sit with a pen in hand and read a book. And I do think something different is happening. No shade to reading with a pen. It's totally different. It is different. That's different. But so, so we don't overthink everything. You shouldn't overthink everything you do. Don't let perfection be the enemy of the good or of doing anything at all. Like just make mistakes. And I'm not saying be sloppy because you should really be aiming for quality. That is the hard part is you can get sloppy and ha- like work hard to get better over time, but don't overthink everything that you do. And another thing that I think contributes to the way that our family approaches productivity or that we do at least um, is that we keep our weekly rhythm pretty simple. Our weekly and daily rhythm is fairly simple and not overly complicated in, you know, like we walk together as a family most days and evenings and talk. So there we are like whole family. We get out after dinner. We have a walk together. I think most people would be astonished at how boring we are. Actually. Tremendously boring Uh, here. I actually put this down later, but I actually think it's important. Oh yeah. This is really related is that we do very little on our rest day. Like our Saturday we do very little. We try to rest. We do so much the rest of the week that we really have to. And it's, especially with you being a pastor on yeah. Sunday, it might be different if you didn't have that yeah. work of necessity, but you don't. So we have to have a down day to yeah. keep up with everything else. It's not unusual for there to be at least two days a week that I'm at the church for 12 plus hours. With Psalm saying, and last week there was Psalm saying, and we had another thing that happened, you know, another day that it was like a 12, 13 hour from beginning to end by the time I, I left or, uh, you know, with, we have kids in music lessons and things like that through the week. We do a lot. We still keep our daily rhythm simple mm-hmm. where we're, you know, in the breakfast school for the kids, me leaving Lexi's doing homemaking kids are getting, you know, to music lessons and things like that. But then we have dinner together every single day. Uh, you know, unless we're at like Psalm sing that evening, we're on a walk together, even when it's, dark at Utah at 3 p.m. and snowy, and we have to drive to the Newgate Mall and walk around. We walk. Um, we do our read, Bible reading and catechism with kids. Bedtime early, like kids aren't up until 9.30 or 10. They have pretty strict bedtimes compared to, I think, a lot of uh, <laughs> other families. And then Lexi and I are together, and then one day a week we're doing this podcast. But like our rhythm is pretty simple. And we try to make sure that that rhythm is making sure, has the features in it that where we don't get disconnected 
from the work. I mean, that the work doesn't disconnect us. Does that make sense? Am I being clear? Like, so we're walking together. We're talking every night. We have oh, dinner yeah, together. Yeah, yeah. So that yeah, all yeah. these things we're doing don't crowd out yes. until you're like, oh, we're not having, we're having dinner together once yeah. a week instead of seven times. Like we, we, our weekly and daily rhythm is designed to prevent that. Yeah. But also to support doing a lot. Mm-hmm. Another aspect of this that we've kind of touched on peripherally here, but I think it's important to note is that we've been thinking about working in and surrounded by most of the things we do now for 15 plus years. So we are young and that's absolutely true. And I wouldn't wish our church history or personal like ministry experience on anybody necessarily, like how it all, but I mean, I was, have been a pastor since I was guys. I'm not even kidding. My ordination was, I think before my 21st birthday, if I'm not mistaken or right after. Yeah. It was either right before or right after. I can't remember either now. And before that had been working on staff in churches for a couple years, couple years before that even. So most, we, we came very early to both our homemaking to get like establishing a home together and the career that I, and like the things that I do today are the same things I've been doing since I was like 16. So yeah, I was, I, I think I even tweeted about it. Like literally our life looks the same as it did when we were 16 year olds. We just have a bunch of kids now. (laughs) Exactly. Yes, exactly. But it is like, yes. Cool. And that particular path that the church took required us to figure out a lot of stuff without a lot of direct mentoring or counsel. Um, we yeah. had to build a lot in our 20s, and we're really now in many ways just starting to reap from that building in our 30s. Which, again, in some ways not ideal, because it's not ideal that I'm the 30-year-old having to counsel, you know, even older women at the church. But it's yeah. just how it's been. This is and just, God's been faithful to meet us. and It's providence. This is all providence. In, yeah. Yeah, none of this was like designed at age 20. We're like, hey, you know what we should really do? But it just is what it is. Like we're in a state where there's almost no Christians, yeah. no seminary, no none of that. I ended up pastoring the church when I was 24 as the senior pastor. We're, senior pastor is a hilarious term for a 24-year-old. We are old, very grateful for the older folks we can and do reach out to Yeah, when we're stumped. We're like, we don't belong here. Where's your wisdom? Please help us. Someone help us out. But, but what that did was like, again, I think it can create this illusion from the outsiders. Like they're, they're doing all these things like they must have, well, most of these things are just now starting. We haven't been doing podcasting or these things mm-hmm. through most of that period of time. Most of that period of time, it was heads down, working in the trenches, building the church, learning how to do these things, yeah. figuring out There's people out kids. at the church now working with us that don't even realize that that's what it was like for us for years and years. Cause they're yeah. like, this is just what it's like. It's like, no, no, no. Yeah. This is still new within a matter of months guys in some yeah. ways, young kids so. figuring all of that out. So again, now we're just starting to kind of like reap some of the, the fruit of the building of that yeah. period of building now in our thirties from our twenties. And again, that's how most productivity works is that you're, we, you have to be okay with working hard on something for years before it really starts to connect and grow growing a little bit every week over a few years is better than a big flash in the pan for one week. We're aiming for the latter, not the former Mm -hmm. or wait for the former, not the latter. Right. Yeah. Growing, growing a little bit over a long period of time until you've done a little work every week and every week and every week. And then you look back and you're like, wow, that's a big pile of stuff that we've piled up. 
but it was it was years. It was a lot of time. It wasn't like a people frantically start new projects or side hustles or things like that because they don't like where they're at and they want to change everything in a week. Yeah. And then they get burned out and discouraged and they're like, well, that didn't work. I'm like, yeah. well, I started this side hustle and it didn't work. I'm like, how long did you do it? Yeah. Two months. That's not enough. And time. I think they don't have other good maintainable rhythms as well mm-hmm. to introduce. Like if you, if you have a healthy rhythm, it's easy to introduce other things in because you know fairly quickly, is this going to work or not? Mm-hmm. Am I in a healthy place family wise, kid discipline wise, yeah. you know, energy wise, physically to take this on? If so, it will probably flourish then. Yes, absolutely. If if not, you probably shouldn't be doing it. Yeah, so yeah. Yes. Another thing that came to mind as I was jotting down some of the things at the center of productivity for us is that we are not afraid of working hard with the aim of leaving our children's children in inheritance. And you shouldn't be either. Meaning one of the things that we're explicitly trying to do that is an, a concrete aim is to leave an inheritance to our children's children. Meaning we want to have a financial, economic, real estate, all of these things in our community, business, vocational foothold in our area mm-hmm. to make it easier for our children's children than it yeah. was for us. Yeah. And that changes how you live your everyday. Yeah. When you're actually saying, because that's a different thing than just saying, well, I guess I need a 401k so that when I'm no longer able to work, <laughs> I can true. kind of get it to the end of my different. life. That's a different mindset than like, I'm 30, I'm in my 30s now, but 70 is coming quick. Yeah. And I only have 40 years of productivity left in my bones, Lord willing, of of this kind of like high octane. So how much of that time do I need to stack up for my kids, like to get the foothold to... Um, you know, not to, to keep, keep the starter house when you buy the next house so that you have a a house for your kids. And like, there's just so many things that go into that. It changes the mindset on everything we do. And so one of the things I'm thinking when I'm producing music even is like, Hey, this is a productive asset that could actually be providing for my children's children inheritance. Like that's a different thing than just, Man, I really like music. I might, I might try to write a few tune, a few tunes that people like for a second. I was like, that those, you get what I'm saying. It's just a different mindset. Yeah, and I do think it's interesting because if the Lord says to do that, in my mind, He's going to bless you trying to do that. And yes. I, I feel like I've seen that. Yes. So <laughs> this is literally one of the things I wrote down. Was that one of the things at center of of productivity? is that along those lines, we pray and ask the Lord to bless us in these yeah. things regularly, like daily. We yeah, really that psalm about, unless the Lord build the house. Yeah, Psalm 127. Yeah, that's what I thought it was. Like, we really do believe that we are living and working under a God who delights to bless us, his people. Like Doug Wilson wrote this in Productivity. He said, living and working in the presence of God is essential because what continues or what constitutes a truly productive person is the fact that they are laboring under the blessing of God. Yeah. So I pray all the time. Like whenever we're doing something, I ask the Lord all the time. I'm like, Lord, I'm about to release this album. It's kind of silly. Like here mm-hmm. I am asking the living God. I'm writing some stuff on a guitar. Um, will you please bless it and, and help it, you know, to serve for inheritance for my children's children. And likewise, it is the same with me, especially in seasons where I feel like everything I'm trying to do around the house is like, this is such a feeble attempt. It's not going to make a difference. It's going to be messy again. I just pray like, okay, Lord, please establish the work of my hands. Yep. Because. <laughs> bless it. Yeah. <laughs> bless, bless these pastries, Lord. 
bless this home, like bless this real estate thing, bless investment in the stock market, bless, and not, you know, Lord bless it. <laughs> this is not a creffle dollar situation, guys. No, <laughs> not, not, no, not, I, I'm not, not like, like Lord, prosperity gospel. please bless the fundraiser for the private jet no. that I'm trying to, to acquire. But because he says this is ultimately how his kingdom is going to be built long term. It's by people. And we act in accordance with that. People being present and fruitful in a place over yes. a long haul, salt and light, a city on a hill, lit up with good works so that the onlookers look on and they glorify your father in heaven. That's Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. So we're looking at Ogden, Utah. We're like, okay, 2% Christians on the report card in terms of discipling this nation of Utah. We're getting an F. F minus, minus, minus. So if we want our great, great grandchildren to do better, we're going to need them to be here. First of yeah. all, they're going to need homes. They're going to need places. They're going to need churches. They're going to need like hopefully a, a cathedral and a graveyard at some point. And so those are the kinds of things that, and they sound, it sounds so delusional when you say it out loud. I literally preached last week to our church. It was a great sermon. Thanks, babe. It was really good. Kind of looking at a 500 year picture of our church, which is important to, to look at from time to time, because that view is going to shape how you point your life. What are you trying to hit? And I mean, I'm telling our church guys, like we would love to see the Lord, whether in our generation or three from now, build a, a cathedral with a graveyard for the church and, and establish dozens and dozens of churches across our state so that we can see the Great Commission carried out here. And all of that is going to require people to pray in absolutely delusional sounding ways. Yeah. Like say, Lord, we're going to need you to bless a lot of Christian men and women in establishing businesses that can employ Christians that can live here. You're going to need to do that. Like, we're going to have to do some work, but you're going to need to bless that or none of it's going to yeah, work. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't matter what we do. If So pray in delusional ways, guys. No. <laughs> it's not no. really delusional if you understand God. Yeah. Like who you're dealing with. But so often we let like the prosperity peddlers like turn us off from praying in faith um, that God loves to bless his people. What kind of resources would you say would have helped you understand this mindset as you have applied it to business? Just, okay, a big one is reading the flipping Bible. Like, when you read the Bible, and you start at the beginning of it, of the book, and you read all the way through, you just encounter so many times where God blesses the socks off his, of his people in ways that actually facilitate them doing what he's intending for them to do. Like you have Abraham's and you have Israel going into the land and got the blessing, the covenant blessings that he tells Israel, if you'll, if you'll be faithful, if you'll, if I will be your God and you will be my people, I'm going to bless you like this. 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 And so often people in the new Testament they get to the new Testament and they're like, actually now being sad is how you know, if you've been blessed and poor being poor and sad. That's how you know you really got the blessing. And it's like, well, yeah, it's its easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter heaven. But remember how it ends. But with, with God, what is impossible with man is possible with God. And the point is, the, the where, where wealth goes wrong is when you say like the man who desires to be wealthy has fallen into a snare. Paul says, okay, so don't desire that you would be able to become this my pillow wealthy Donald Trump gold bling tower wealthy. Ask God for what he's told you you should want. Yeah. Yeah. 
I want to leave an inheritance for my children's children. You've told me I should want that. I want Utah to become a Christian state for Christians to be able to work with their hands and live peaceful and dignified and quiet lives. I want all of that to happen. I want men to be able to care for their wives and the needs of their families. I want, because you've told us that, God. So please bless us as we do that. And that's a different thing than praying like, Lord, please give me $100 million so that I can get a yacht. Yes, it is a totally different thing. It's a totally different thing. Even, you know, yachts are cool. I'm sure people who have them enjoy them. That's not what we're praying for. (laughs) We're, we're, We're praying for something different than that. But too often people are like, oh, I just, I don't want to ask God for, you know, like a raise at work because that just seems like really idolatrous. Like, no, God told you to provide for your family. And he said, conversely, a man who doesn't do that has denied the faith. So God is not like mad at you when you ask him to bless your productivity and and wealth building endeavors, provided you're doing them righteously. Yeah. And for righteous ends, like then God loves to bless his people. So, I mean, I think if you're not occasionally making everybody mad, on this subject, you're probably like if you're not making occasionally people uncomfortable and they're like, wow, that sounds kind of like name it and claim it. Yeah. And on the other hand, wow, man, that's sometimes the you should make the name it and claim it people uncomfortable too. Yeah. When you're like, you know, if God wants us to suffer and have a Job situation, then that's that's his that's yeah. his thing. It doesn't mean we weren't faithful. Both can be both mm-hmm. both can be true. Yep. I feel like I'm ranting. I am ranting a little bit, I guess. <laughs> So we're not afraid of that. We're not afraid of doing all these things with the aim of like intergenerational productivity, foothold building in the forms of actual own space in our communities. Two other things, two other things to say. I'm thinking of what order. Let's start with this one. This is going to sound disconnected. I think you'll get it though. We put a, deg- we put a, a high degree of value in the kind of leisure that Joseph Pieper would be talking about. Mm-hmm. Can you explain what I mean by that? Oh boy. Okay, so I read that in 2020, so it's been a minute since. What book is it even? A Leisure the Basis of Culture. Yeah, Leisure the Basis of Culture. Joseph. So, Pieper. this could be like me narrating incorrectly because I've assimilated it with a lot of other things that's I've fine. learned since yeah, then. That's how we roll. One of my big takeaways from that book was the patron system versus the slavery system. Uh-huh. And again, I may be misnarrating this, but my takeaway was that we should want to be in leisure and the overflow of our leisure activities is the over like creates our culture essentially in some yeah. ways. So if your leisure is just watching Netflix, yeah. you're not actually producing anything you're consuming. There's no culture there. Yeah. You're not exporting anything out. But he was kind of talking in there about how the wage slave system came in so that it was no longer about you getting paid for what you do on your leisure time. You were getting paid for what your boss told you to do. You were a slave at that point. Ideally, this is how patrons came about in the olden days. If you were a, an artist, you had a patron who paid you to do something like, um, you know, paint murals in, in the cathedrals they saw value in what you did in your leisure time and they were a patron and paid you for it. So Mm -hmm. that's, that is kind of like the idea of Patreon now in some ways. So that was my takeaway from it. Yeah. It it made me, because at that point I will say at that point I was extremely uncomfortable 
with the idea of any sort of Christian business. I didn't want anything to do with it. It felt skeezy to me. And I remember you had talked to me about it multiple times. Like, I think you should try this venture. I think you should try this. And I was like, nope, don't like it too picky. Or I just feel uncomfortable about it. Like uh-huh. I, I am not okay with this. And it, it was that book leisure, the basis of culture that made me realize like, wait a second. If this is an overflow of the love that I have culture, I want to see built and somebody wants to compensate, be a patron for that, then there should not be anything wrong with that. As long as it is good culture that you're creating as an yeah. overflow. Yep. Did I totally get it wrong? No, that now? was great. I think that that's a, that orbits around a lot of what I meant by it. Okay. Just that for, for Peeper in the book, he's talking about leisure as one, one guy summarized like a condition of the soul. It's not an absence of work. It's not that leisure is like um, when you're just totally blank and you're not doing anything. Yeah. Leisure for him was essentially if people considered worship to be the height of leisure yes, and union with God to be the height of leisure where you're able to stand still in a sense and contemplate and reflect on the, the beauty and the transcendence of God. But then he notes the way that, that God wired the human soul is that we work so that we can even get to leisure. And that's a good thing. Leisure meaning like the contemplation of good ideas. Yes. The the production of beautiful things. Yes. Uh, you know, Blaise Pascal said, I think this is really profound. He said, all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room. So I think what he was getting at there is that what a lot of people do is they go from work. Work is not actually for them about getting to any higher thing. Yes. It's not about getting into a state of thick culture and leisure. It's about just producing either a pile of something like yeah. money or it, it's it's an end in itself. Whereas Peeper's vision for culture, which I think is a, a great one, was that all of these things were supposed to serve a more transcendent end mm-hmm. so that a truly flourishing culture should produce the space for people in their lives to like contemplate great ideas in a book, art, transcendent beauty, truth, goodness, and beauty. And, uh, and be able to, in a sense, commune with God directly in the silence. Yeah. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So the way, the reason I connect that with productivity is because if you're doing productivity for the end of productivity, for productivity's sake, it will burn you out because yes. your soul wasn't made for that. Yeah. Your soul was made for communion with God and then also for communion with God through communion with his people. Mm-hmm. So, and, and also in the world that God made and the, the beauty of the ideas and the, the, the glorious transcendent framework of truths that he's woven into his creation. So if your productivity is to be thick and glorious, it has to be pointed at something like that. Yeah. And I think that makes a big difference. Like, again, it comes back to that. Why would I start a side hustle? Why would a guy start a side hustle doing like, let's say, a lawn care business or something? That's really hard work. Well, he'll burn out if it's just to stack his 401k. Yes. (laughs) But he will do it with a song on his lips if he is doing it for his children's children. Yeah. And for the sake of the glory of his God. Those are different things. Totally different. They're things. not even the same universe of things. Even though you'd look at the guy mowing the lawn and you'd be like, that's a guy mowing the lawn. But it could be a guy mowing a lawn for the sake of mowing a lawn and some money, or it could be the sake of a guy mowing a lawn for the transcendent glory of God yeah. and, and his people. 
Our sponsor, Private Family Banking Partners, is on a mission to help Christians live out the Dominion Mandate by making a stealth-like move away from the mainstream banks and into their own privatized banking system. This innovative system is designed to guarantee uninterrupted compound interest and tax-free growth without exposure to typical stock market risks. To join this growing community that is already building wealth into future generations and converting post-mill talk into post-mill action, contact Private Family Banking Partner Chuck DeLatteranti at his email, chuck at privatefamilybanking.com. That's chuck at privatefamilybanking.com. To set up an appointment and to receive a free copy of Chuck's new book, Protect Your Money Now, How to Build Multi-Generational Wealth Outside of Wall Street and Avoid the Coming Banking Meltdown, go to the links in the show notes below. Okay. Wow. Yeah, I'm not I'm not ever thinking when I'm putting together a resource or I come to Brian with a new idea. I'm not ever thinking, "Oh, this is a good product for the people." I'm thinking yeah. this yeah. and I've talked about this in other places with the nostalgia the quote from C.S. Lewis. I'm thinking this this stirred something in me, this thought, this book this idea. And now I want to go share it with other people so it mm-hmm. can stir something in them. It's not a, how can I best market this? Yeah. How can I, it is just no, it's purely not. an yeah. overflow of literally my actual leisure time. Yes. And so, I want other people to experience that as well. So much of the space that we're in, which is like new Christian and press we're we're in the early stages of publishing books, board books, media, communication, things like that. A lot of this industry is trend chasing to try and always be on the, the edge of the next wave that's, that's going to so be popular. That's really not what we're trying to do at New Christian no. Press at all. We're not just trying to chase a, a theological trend or a cultural trend. We're trying to say what are deep-rooted, transcendent, thick, cultural, Christ, you know, Christianity baked into a culture, yeah. what would that look like? Let's yeah. do that for entire lifetimes. Yeah, and I mean, honestly... I mean, even when you and Eric approached me about Bright Hearth, you guys have always been very freeing with me in regards to not expecting me to be tied to this in any yeah. sort of a way. And that has been so helpful because in that sense, it, it again, it really is a leisure overflow sort of a thing yes. for me. And, and, it, and I see it in all you guys. I mean, it is your job too, but I see it in you guys because you guys are cultivating the habits necessary for that to be leisure. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's the goal. Yeah. This is a hard concept to nail down. I would recommend reading that book. I would recommend, I really wished I had read it in a book group. Uh-huh. Or to with like you, man. Why? <laughs> Where is it? Did you ever finish I'm ter- it? I'm, I'm not even finished with it. You need to no, read it with me. It. Let's read it together. It's a great again. book. It's it's one of those books that the concepts are like, wow, that's what that is that I've been thinking then about. Then you need to stop life. and journal for a whole bunch, huh? I don't journal. I just don't, guys. I don't. It's one of my most disappointing qualities to Lexi. She almost <laughs> no. It's not is that I, I am not a journalist. Ever, I'm not ever, a marginalia. Ever said that. <laughs> I don't do marginalia. I don't do underlining. I don't do journaling. I just don't. You do. You do it in different ways. You do it totally in different ways, and you always have. They're always goal oriented. It's yeah, the mine's most not, mad mine way is ever. Purely for the it's sake like, of oh, I love this little. I journal. am taking notes on this for the next season of Kings Hall, which is why I'm reading it, and so I'm going to put together the most helpful quotes in a <laughs> no. linear way. It's totally no, different from how Lexi does it. Yeah. So the last thing I'd say <laughs> is that we are constantly learning from people who have done things that we're trying to do better than we currently do them. 
Yeah. So you shouldn't be trying to like invent a new thing. In almost anything you're doing, you're probably not going to invent a new thing. If you're trying to get really good at sales if, as your side hustle, go read the top 10 books on sales. Just do it. You're going to learn things. The people, are re- the people who wrote those are really good at it, and they're better than you. Don't be proud. Don't think like, I'm going to reinvent sales. You're probably not. If you think you are, you're probably going to fail at it. Like, yes, be yourself, but don't be pr- proud. People think that they are like all Rembrandts <laughs> and all like these generational talents. And most of us just aren't. No. So this, this was like an absolute game changer when I started working with Brandon on music. Here's a guy who's a way better musician than I will ever be. And <laughs> it's his whole thing. It's his whole life. It's what he does. For his whole life, since he was like in the womb, I think. Uh, yeah, he was, he was very in a family young. band, literally, when he started. He plays every instrument. He's just like, he intuits where music should go. Yes. And it's because that's that's how he is. So working with him has made me, it's it's still my, it's my songwriting and my thing. But But working with someone like that and learning from them has helped me get five times better easily overnight. Because... I'm not trying to, I'm taking advantage of 30 plus 40 years of somebody else's mm-hmm. skill and talent and discipline. So whatever you're trying to do, if you're trying to write a book, if you're trying to podcast, if you're trying to start a sales business, start a trade, whatever it is, home make, go read the best stuff on that subject. Mm-hmm. Go find, and if you can find people who will actually help you with it too, that's great. But just because you can't find someone right next to you who will teach you how to do it, don't give up. Don't be like, well, I no. couldn't. Yeah. Social media is helpful. Yes. Texting. Yeah. Don't be afraid. I am never afraid to go say, Hey, this is what I'm looking for. Give me all the resources and I'll call through them. You guys probably yeah. see me doing that regularly on social media. That is how I learn as much yeah. as I do. People think it's like inauthentic. Sometimes they're like, no, I have to go through the work, the process. Well, no, that person read 50 bad books to find the three best books. And so you don't have to read the 50 bad books. No, you can just read. I do the, like to read the 50. I books. know you do. babe. I know you do. And that's fine. It is fine to do that process to yourself in yeah. some areas, but generally speaking, it is good yeah. to start three courses of stairs up yes. the mountain or, you know, because someone's like, no, 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 no this is the way. Yeah. Let, let me start you here. Um, and you know, that's another thing is like, Virtually every good idea that we that I've ever taught, virtually every good idea we've ever taught on Bright Hearth or anything else, we didn't come up with it. Yeah. We're hoping to internalize and live out in our own way and popularize good, true things that people have known about for hundreds of years <sighs> and millennia and just imitate wise, fruitful people. Like, again, don't be proud. Don't be like, oh, people do this in songwriting all the time. It's really annoying to me. Bad songwriters do this. They're like, I'm going to be super original. I don't want my melody to sound like any, you know, they write a melody that's too simple. It's too catchy. It's like, reminds me of this melody from this other pop song or something. And I'm like, great. It's probably a good melody. Just Mm -hmm. sing it. But then people write these really esoteric, like Mixolydian, Phrygian, Dorian mode, double inverted, weird, jazzy things that no one understands. And yeah, you're really smart. (sighs) But a lot of people also aren't really smart. And then it doesn't, it's just bad. But I think 
it's okay to learn from people who've gone before you, to not be original. Being original is overrated. Be imitators of glory. There you go. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. That's what I'm aiming for. Um, All right. I'm tired. I just want to say that I think it's important to, to keep short accounts. Mm-hmm. I, I think not doing that, letting sin like gunk up the wheel mm-hmm. of your productivity. And, and for me, I think about this, obviously between you and I, I know you and the guys are amazing people who never sin against each other. So, <laughs> um, right. <laughs> but I know you guys are good at sharpening one another, all that stuff, but also yeah. with kids, like in the home productivity wise, if there were an issue with their kids, I, you, I would split fast mm-hmm. or like you would have to get that in order because that is our first priority before anything yeah. else. But when that is in order, it does allow you to do everything else with mm-hmm. joy yeah, and with your kids. Yes. And they like it too. And they, you know, they love that mom and dad get to do this. And so don't overlook that. That's a huge, huge thing is a yeah. lot of times when I counsel women that are overwhelmed, it, it's because they've let, you know, a little sin of bitterness or nagging come into their marriage and they're overwhelmed there. And then they're lazy. And so they're overwhelmed in their house and they're yeah. not disciplining quickly. And so they're overwhelmed with the kids. So it is a lot of little sins yeah. that you should be squashing out quickly and getting yeah. back in fellowship quickly with and, one another. And then they're trying to do some big yeah, church some other, thing. Yeah. So and it's like, it's like, stop no, no, doing no, no, that. No. You have no business doing that. Go get right at, in the center. Yes. Like if you have a safe harbor at home, if you have a good, if you have yes. a good harbor, you, you can do other things from that home base. That is the only reason we can outflow. Yes. Is that. You so. have to have that. Otherwise you're just going to be this ship that doesn't want to go home. So you're constantly ragged and tired because you don't have like a safe. Yeah. And you know, those people base. that they are, they are constantly complaining and they are running here and there and they are doing a lot, but it's yeah. also at the same time you can see like, but it's not effective. None lo- of it yeah. is effective. And a lot you're of the undermining times, yourself. the people that they're doing things for don't even want them to be doing it. They're like, yeah. please just go get r- whatever's wrong. Get it right. Yeah. Because it's not even serving anybody. Yeah. So you do, that's a great place to end is that before you think about productivity, you need to think about the center, which is the worship of your God being at peace with God, being at peace with your people, starting with your closest relationships and working on out. And then you can be productive joyfully. Mm -hmm. So thanks for listening, guys. We hope this was helpful. And I feel like this was really a wandery episode because it was just like, it's kind of a personal question. And so there's a lot of us in that episode. I hope that wasn't off-putting to you, but... Thanks for thanks for everybody who's been supporting uh, Bright Hearth on Patreon. Like Lexi said, that is a, a big way that we continue to do everything we do and even bring in all those people who help with every aspect of work at New Christendom Press. So if you want to help out, you can go to patreon.com slash brighthearth and join our Patreon community there. But thanks, guys. The Lord bless you. Fest in Alente. Make hay slowly. And we'll see you next time on Bright Hearth.